Welcome to another episode of the Access Vikings podcast. I'm Andrew Kramer, joined by Ben Gessling and Lavelle E. Neal of the Star Tribune. We're here after the Vikings beat the Detroit Lions 28-24. to And guys, after hearing all week about how this was a new Lions team, yes, they seem more talented, but it seemed like the same old Lions team to me. <laughs> you mean in terms of finding ways to lose games they should win? Exactly. Yeah, that's just it. I think there's yeah, it was similar. going to be so many, just looking back on it, there's so many ways they could have put that game away. The Lions have a 10-point lead that the Vikings claw back from with Kirk Cousins finding K.J. Osborne in the end zone, the defense getting that stop. But what was the most Lions thing that happened, Lavelle? What, what, what stood out to you? Uh, just for uh, crimes against football, um, when it was third and one with about 11 minutes left in the game and they threw a deep ball to Reynolds, on 31, instead of running the ball and letting the clock run, they took a deep shot when they had no business taking a deep shot. And um, they ended up punting, and the Vikings got the touchdown from Madison. And at that point, I wrote it in my column, the stadium was so quiet at the time that you could hear a mouse chewing on popcorn. And, and as soon as uh, the Vikings got the ball back, Madison scored, the fans got back in the game, and um, the atmosphere picked up, and the Vikings were able to pull it off. Yeah, yeah, and, and I thought Detroit, too, going forward on some of those fourth downs. I like the aggressiveness a little bit, but it seemed like Dan Campbell was still coaching like an 0-10-1 head coach. Well, I mean, they, they had had enough success with it that I kind of thought at the end of the game, I mean, they, they were like four of six, I think, at that point on, right. the, on the fourth downs. Then he decides to not do it at the end. and he's, He was pretty hard on himself afterward. He basically said, I feel like I cost us the game. I hate that call. Um, you know, basically said, I regret it. I should have gone for it. I thought they would. I mean, it was, I think, fourth and three, fourth and four. So it's not fourth and one, but they had come up with enough answers that I thought they would have said, let's just go win the game right here rather than uh, putting it back on your defense, which had been on the field for, you know, last couple drives and was starting to give up some things to the Vikings. So, yeah, I, I thought at that point they would have just tried to go take it and win the game. It was a little bit surprising given how they played the rest of it that they didn't. To add to your point, too, um, Goffin was not sacked at all today, and I think he was hit twice. He had all kinds of time back there to, to find open receivers. So going forward on fourth and four, I thought would have been the, the, the move to go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it just they had not pressured him enough. I mean, on the, really on that last drive when – you know they need a touchdown, and you can kind of pin your ears back, then that's a different deal. I mean, they, they hit him on the last play of the game when he threw the interception. But for the most part, yeah, they had not done enough to get pressure. So, yeah, it just – for as aggressive as they had been, it just seemed odd, an odd moment to be like, no, nah, we're going we're gonna to pull back from this. Yeah, and, and to do it at a point where the Vikings are able to capitalize with Kirk Cousins' more late-game heroics. He didn't shake Kevin O'Connell this time, though, like he shook Mike Zimmer after his uh, – game-winning touchdown drive against the Lions last time yeah. in this building. But Kirk Cousins does it again, basically. I mean, you had the 45 seconds or whatever they had to drain off where the defense gets that stop. But uh, this was Kirk Cousins coming back to save this game for them at, at the very end. Yeah, two huge throws there at the end. I mean, the one to Osborne in, in pretty decent coverage from Mike Hughes. And then the last one, you know, Cousins has rushers coming up in his face and he hits Osborne on that corner throw. Osborne's wide open after beating Mike Hughes again. But, uh, you know, Cousins said afterwards, I didn't know if I got enough on that ball. He had said earlier in the game he'd overshot Osborne. He was thinking – he was surprised at the fact that he had overthrown him. He thought, I don't know if I got enough on the ball, and it turns out the ball is five, ten yards behind him. 
On the last one, he's saying, I just hope I got it there, and it was right on the money. So, yeah, pretty big throw from him to, to pull it out. It was about time that Mike Hughes helped the Vikings win the game. <laughs> yeah, well, the, actually, the the uh, the one his first game here, he had a pick six. That basically, I think Jimmy Garoppolo threw the ball right to him. Hughes is basically standing there, gets a touchdown, and Zimmer comes up to the podium afterwards and says, "Hey, everybody dragged us for picking him, but I'm glad we had him today." So, well, yeah, okay, he can he can uh, return an interception that's thrown right to him. That's uh, you'd hope a first round pick could do that, but yeah, otherwise, not so much. The Lions did have a, a corner not named Mike Hughes who was penalized five times today, uh, basically all for covering Adam Thielen. Yep. And that Lions corner, I, the name escapes me right Amari now. Amari Um He said after the game, his quarters after the game is saying that even Adam Thielen came up to me and said, some of these just aren't penalties. You're, you know, but the refs have it out for you today, basically, or something like that. Was that him Was that him covering Thielen on the last play when Thielen had a fit about the flag yes. being thrown? Yeah, the one that was not thrown. Yeah, that, yes. that was hard. Both, there was a lot of hand fighting going on, on, that, on the, during that play, and Thielen actually pushed off. When the ball was released, so I, I can't see how uh, he could draw a flag in that situation. Yeah, I, I don't know, but it, it, he had a hard time throughout. It doesn't matter if it was that play or the first quarter, second quarter, that, that kid had a hard time covering Thielen in this game. Um, I found it interesting that they were able to get Thielen the ball, it seemed at will today, but the Lions, whether it was a triple team I saw them, they were triple covering Je- Justin Jefferson in the end zone at one point. They had Jeff Okuda shadowing him on either side. Of the field, Jefferson has a career low. Was it 14 yards? Yeah, six targets. I think three catches for 14 yards. In this game, how does that happen? Triple teams. <laughs> you know, um, and it created opportunities for Thielen and Osborne, at least. And I think the Vikings eventually started looking for those guys a little bit more instead of trying to force it to, to Jefferson. Um, they're going to be prepared for this because teams may try to do the same thing, get physical with their receivers and, and have bracket coverage on, on Jefferson. I did I did think that was a big part of it too. You, you saw the Eagles do this with Darius Slay on Monday night, get right up on Jefferson and say, we're going to press you coming off the line because Jefferson's releases are awfully good, and I think people feel like if we have any chance, it's going to be to disrupt his timing, get physical with him, and, and hope that things are thrown off just enough that Cousins has to look somewhere else. The the Lions did that today too. I mean, Okuda was up on him a number of times, and uh, you know, kind of that same thing of let's let's press him, let's try to just get physical with him, even if it's not man coverage. I mean, I think Jefferson said afterwards it was a lot of two man, so Okuda's playing him off the line and then probably trailing underneath him. But the the approach does seem to start to be let's press Jefferson and hope that that can help slow everything down. Yeah, and it happened to work, uh, at least disrupt this connection with Cousins and Jefferson for another game in a row after his quiet night in Philadelphia. Um, The Vikings try to establish the ground game, hashtag establish the run. O'Connell comes out, back-to-back running plays to Dalvin Cook. They start out in a heavy personnel grouping with C.J. Ham and tight end Ben Ellison, not Irv Smith. So if you're keeping track at home, that means every tight end but Irv Smith has started a game this season. Um, they bring Ben Ellison out here for this one to start this game as kind of a road grader behind or in front of Dalvin Cook. And Dalvin Cook leaves this one with a shoulder injury, which has been an all-too-familiar sight for Vikings fans doing so on a fumble, which is also a familiar sight yeah. for people who watch the Vikings. Um, Cook has a history of shoulder d- dislocations that become uh, you know, more and more common as they happen. And with him leaving this game and staying on the sideline, and getting ruled out fairly quickly, I wouldn't be surprised if it's something related to just all the issues he's had before with those shoulders popping out and all that kind of stuff. So 
Um, he says he's going to play. He tells his teammates and his coaches that he's going to play next Sunday. But Kevin O'Connell said they're going to do what is in Dalvin's best interest and see if they can get him ready for that game in London. Is it a concern at all that we're three games into the season and Dalvin Cook is already missing time? Absolutely. I think uh, it's going to be something he's got to deal with or main, uh, have maintenance on for the rest of the season. Um, and I'm guessing he's he's elected not to have surgery or has it been an option? I think he's elected not to do it. I mean, I I, I think you, you could certainly do it. It, it. it was a labrum tear last year. And I mean, you know that from baseball all the time. Obviously, it's it's more stressful for a pitcher than a running back, but yeah, I mean that you could certainly work on that. But as someone who has torn both his rotator cuffs, I know what it's like to have to rehab. Yeah, uh, yeah. From, from a tear there, so he's probably going to go back in that maintenance unit again. Yeah, and, you're probably right. Some of those uh, exercises to try to strengthen the muscles around the shoulder to to help take the pressure off of the labrum. So well, and you're having to do that for 14 weeks too. I, I mean, know, that, that's I the know. concern I yeah. think is that you're we're not talking about this happening in December. We're talking about this is. The last week of September, you're going to have to do this for probably quite a long time and hope it doesn't become a bigger problem. And I found it interesting that before Dalvin's injury and really all throughout the three games, I guess it's really just week one and week three because week two they got away from the run game. But O'Connell wasn't really doing much different than Zimmer in terms of the usage of Dalvin. It's basically been all Dalvin in terms of that running back group. It's not any kind of committee or mixing Madison in much at all other than, hey, we'll give you a series here. Yeah, I think Madison got like a series in the in the first game. The first half of that first Packers game, they had a little bit of a rotation going, but not that much. So you wonder if that needs to become more of a, a thing now to keep Dalvin fresh and keep him healthier. Especially when you've got Kenny Wongwu, Alexander Madison, Ty Chandler. You've got a deep room there that I don't know why you wouldn't try to use him, and now you might be forced to given Dalvin's injury history. Uh, defensively, is it a concern at all that Jared Goff gets sacked zero times on a day where they needed that pressure without Harrison Smith. You're starting Josh Metellus instead of Lewis Seen in that secondary um, with players and coaches saying that Lewis Seen is still catching up and not mentally ready up to this point to jump in there. But Zadarius Smith, Daniil Hunter, we saw him get pressure a little bit, but Goff would evade it and throw it away. They got pressure at the very end when Goff heaved up that game-losing interception for them. But that seemed to be about it. That's pretty disappointing uh, from my aspect, just watching how things unfolded today because uh, that line needed to get pressure on someone like Goff, especially if you get something up the middle and move him off his spot. He's going to get nervous and he's going to turn the ball over. He's done that uh, constantly throughout his career. But he was able to drop back for, what, five, six seconds a couple times, I think, and wait for someone to come open. And I, I, I don't remember the – the Lions offensive line being highly regarded for pass protection. So um, I was a little I was surprised to see the lack of uh, pressures or he got hit twice. I, I, I was surprised to see the lack of a pass rush today. The Lions offensive line is pretty decent, but they were missing two starting guards yeah. today. So yeah. you'd figure there'd be some vulnerabilities there. Um, yeah, you got like three, you got first round picks at center and both tackle spots. And then you got two guards who are, pretty much brand new so you yeah you think there'd be some places I mean you talk about a team that says I'm going to put my best on your worst you you would think that that matchup trying to put Smith or Hunter on those guards was something they were kind of licking their chops over this week and we saw Daniel Hunter show up on a couple of those run stops fourth down plays um but it wasn't too much from him or Zedarius in this yeah yeah not not enough to feel like especially at home when you kind of lean on that crowd you kind of lean on the ability to have an extra half step, I mean, and maybe the Lions scoring as early as they did kind of took the crowd out of it. But 
yeah, you would have expected a little more from them early, and I think you see it on, on times where I mean, Shannon Sullivan got picked on a little bit early. I, I thought Patrick Peterson actually stood up fairly well today, made a couple of nice plays that you kind of just see the 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 11, 12 years of experience and the eight Pro Bowls. He had a pass breakup at the end that was just like, yep, that's a, that's a veteran knowing exactly what to do and not getting rattled on a deep throw. But, um, yeah, it's it's – one of those things where that pass rush is going to have to protect that secondary, and I, I didn't think it was, especially in the first half, probably not enough there. So Darius was uh, shaken up after one play. Did we ever find out what body like part that was? like a hamstring to me. It was a leg thing, right? Yeah, I talked to him after the game, and he had mentioned that he was just going to go get tested uh, to figure out what exactly was going on. He said, when asked about what was the injury, he said, I don't know. We have to go figure that out now. He was pointing at his left lower left leg at his like knee area. Um, but didn't say it was his knee, just kind of declined to get too specific about it. But uh, he did stay in the game, which was a good sign for that. Um, but I don't know, Willis Reed moment there. It looked like he was going to – I mean, he. it looked like he couldn't move very easily, and you're kind of thinking, okay, how bad is this going to be? But he walked it off and clapped his hands, said, give me my helmet, let's go. Well, I believe it was the last play to the third quarter. So yeah. So we had that between quarter break to – Technically, I have to leave again. That was a two-minute warning. No, no, no. It was the yeah, it was end of game. Two-minute warning. Yeah, right. Yeah, so right. The, which also meant he didn't have to come out of the game for a play because there hadn't been another play. to. That normally, when you get injured, you have to come out for at least one play, and he didn't have to do that because it was a two-minute warning. He did not. So we'll have to see his availability this week as the Vikings head to London to take on the Saints. Boy, Lavelle, you're running through the, the mash unit the Saints are. Just before we hopped on the podcast, you said they lost three receivers today? Yeah, Michael Thomas left the game because of a toe. Uh, Traquan Williams had a concussion, and uh, someone left because of a foot. Was it Olave? No, it wasn't Olave. It was the oh Jarvis Landry. No, was it Landry? Is he with them now? Yeah, Landry's with them. It was Jarvis Landry who got hurt too. So Landry, Thomas, and uh, Traquan out. So start Chris Olave in your fantasy team next week. And the Saints are already having Jameis Winston starting with a broken back, from what I've read, in terms of having fractured lumbar really? discs. Yeah, he's had, he has four of them, I believe, from what I've read. So the Vikings should trounce the Saints, but there's nothing guaranteed. It's like a fun injury for an eight-hour flight. There's nothing guaranteed in a league where the Indianapolis Colts get shut up by the Jaguars one week and then beat the Chiefs the next week. No, uh, I can't make it up. Doesn't, it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, when you look around the league in the NFC North, the Bears beat the Texans 23-20, and the Packers snuck out a win against the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Justin Fields had like a 17 passer rating at halftime in that game. It was bad. It was really Lavelle, bad. Lavelle, your so. Bears. Are, so are the Vikings going to – wait, Lavelle, are you saying the Vikings are going to roll basically to 4-1? and one? Yes, they'll, be, they'll go into the game against the Dolphins 4-1. and one. Who do the Bears have next week? Ooh, good question. Um – I don't know. Filibust while I looked that up. I can't remember who they have next week. I will week. pull it up for you right now. The Bears have the Giants. So winnable. It's a winnable game. And then, so we could have a first place NFC North showdown here uh, in that's, two weeks. That's exactly right. The three U.S. Bank Stadium. The three and one Bears against the three and one Minnesota Vikings, like everybody predicted. The yeah. Three and one Bears, three and one Vikings, and the game not occurring in the last week of the season at U.S. Bank Stadium. That's, How about that's that? the real shocker. Yes, that <laughs> is the real shocker. But Saquon Barkley's going to be out for blood that game because it was against the Bears where he tore up his knee and was done for the year. So he's going to be he's going to be motivated. Uh, to pay back the Bears for that terrible turf at Soldier Field. 
we'll have to dig deep for uh, storylines come Vikings Bears <laughs> week because I don't know what's going to stand out about that week. Uh, Ryan Poles, the other guy the Vikings were going to hire. All the ex-Packer the Bears coaches spent more on money. teams. Yes. <laughs> there, there's, there's some subplots there. Packers disciples on both sides of the sidelines. Um, Andrew Janoko revenge game? <laughs> D- Dakota Dozier revenge game? Yeah, there you go. All right, well. We will check back in with you guys on Wednesday of this week to preview the Vikings and Saints matchup. The Vikings will be. I don't know where the heck I'll be traveling to London. When when are you going to London? I leave then? Wednesday. Oh, you so are. This okay. may be a yeah. Andrew Kramer, Mike Rand production uh, while I am flying over to England. Well, Ben will be across the pond in London with. Are you driving to DC then flying to England, or how's that working? I am flying. <laughs> I think we're flying to Boston, lay over in Boston, and then flying to England. Okay. So nothing, nothing too crazy. Not as bad as the Buffalo one later in the season. Are you going to check out a soccer game on Saturday? I, you know, I wanted to. I Chelsea's playing at home. Uh, Tottenham, Tottenham and Arsenal is on Saturday at Arsenal as well. I didn't know if I'd be able to get tickets to that one. I'm bringing my family, so I figured that might be a little bit of a, a tough ask. And is, isn't it hard to get tickets? Don't you have to be like in one to, of their supporters clubs or something? I was talking to another rider here. He's going, and he was trying to either go. He was either going to go to Chelsea the ticket was going to be 100 bucks, or he was going to go watch Wolverhampton uh, Wolves against West Ham for 50 Okay. So apparently tickets are available. Okay, somewhere. so they, you can get them. I, should, I need to look into this. That was excellent insight into the Vikings' win over the Detroit Lions. <laughs> we'll talk to you guys next on Wednesday of this week. Please check out StarTribune.com. We will get Ben uh, probably on Zoom once from yeah, London, we'll I would presume. Out. We'll yeah. figure it out. We'll get him from across the pond. Please check out StarTribune.com in the meantime. And do what my, my wife tries to tell me sometimes and say less, so I'll say less.